Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you are tuning into today's podcast. Welcome to another episode. And today I am joined by Ashley Roberts, the GM of Omen Expo. For those that don't know, Omen Expo are the largest exhibition organizer in the Sultanate of Oman. Um, and on today's podcast, we're here to talk about mental health. Now, mental health has been rising up on the agenda in recent years as awareness grows of its impact on workplace productivity and culture. Um, Ashley is here to talk to me about his own experiences, how his company are looking to tackle the issues, and some of the ways that you, the listener, and the wider industry can implement support within their businesses. But before we jump into all of that, Ashley, tell us a little bit about your background in the events industry and how you got to where you are now. Thanks, thanks, Adam, and, and, and welcome to anyone that's listening. Um, I've been in the events industry my entire working life for my sins, um, which seems like a very long time, so a little over 20 years. Um, I started uh, with a small, very entrepreneurial business called iMark Communications. Um, had a lot of very well-respected um, movers and shakers that came from uh, Miller Freeman, Blenheim, of, of kind of that genre. Um, so cut my teeth there. It was very much work very hard and also play hard. It was um, it was a fantastic, exciting time, and uh, obviously it, it created a great impression because I've not left the industry then. Um, we got acquired by um, what was then being you at the time, subsequently became Incisive Media. So with them for about eight or nine years, um, working my way out to head of events, and then took a step outside of uh, B2B events and joined Ocean Media. So I was running. Um, uh, their national wedding portfolio, which was was for a guy going to a world full of brides, was daunting. As a single man, it was quite exciting, um, but it um, it was really different from B two B. You getting to see consumers, the end buyers, really experience it. And you know, brides, it, it was a lovely show to work on, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And um, after about four years there, I took the opportunity to move out to the Middle East with DMG Events. Um, so I was running a portfolio of events, their construction portfolio, launching them all over the world from Southeast Asia, subcontinent Asia, um, to Middle East and also Africa, which was amazing. Um, after five years there, I had a, a, a young child, met my wife, who also worked at DMG events, as many people meet their, their, their spouses within the industry, were quite essential. Um, moved back to the UK to be close to family um, and joined GES. Found that quite quickly. I spoke to my family and friends as much as I did when I lived thousands of miles away in the Middle East. Um, and along came another opportunity to come back out to the Middle East. So to join the Marn Expo where I am. Um, and it's actually an exciting opportunity. It's a, a company that's really at a very exciting point of, the, of their future. Um, so I'm very excited about the, the following you. So that, that brings us up to speed where I presently am. Interesting, mate. So Ocean Media, we, we, the company that I used to work for very much back in the day, um, which is now called Script Media at the time, it was part of the Barnsley Chronicle, so it was called Warncliffe Publishing. They also had a bridal magazine, so I'm sure that team probably exhibited it at your events over the years in their past as a way to kind of get the publication out there and, and get advertised and stuff in. So, so interesting how this industry is, is big but like the ways that it works internally and the cogs and the people that move around in it are, you know, so, so kind of small and it, everybody's connected in some way. I, I always find anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. So 
tell us a little bit more about just initially, like what does the day-to-day life look of, of the GM at Oman Expo? What are your kind of roles and responsibilities at the company? I guess there's pre-COVID, then there's COVID. Um, okay. But if I sort of give it a, a, a general overview, I mean, my, my, you know, I wear t- two hats. Job title is managing director, GM. You know, I'm I'm GM by by um, designation, but it's setting the strategy and the day to day running the business. And you know, we run quite a flat structure across the business that we want to give people a voice. We want to give them to have opportunities to have entrepreneurial flair. Flair. So if they've got they've got an idea, you know, whether it's a launch event or marketing to implement some different initiative. Everyone's got a voice, so it's not dictated down from me. Um, you know, I've got an opinion. I believe in informed opinion and educated one over 20 years. But everyone's got a voice within the business. You know, we're a small business. Um, we've gone from last year, we were about 35 people. We're, we're a little over 20 at the moment. Um, so with that, it gives us the ability to talk to each other quite easily. Um, so in terms of where we're at, we've stripped back a lot of what we've done. We previously did managed events we've cut back from that everything we do we want to be our own either we do it as a jv or we own it it's in entirety um so historically we've been focused on amman and we've got a really good take on the market with a market leader you know everyone says that but we are genuinely here in amman um but we see opportunities to grow outside of Amman, and covid has actually opened up huge amounts of opportunity for us as a business some we had in the pipeline prior to COVID, but we're accelerating accelerating those plans. Um, you know, I mean this in no disrespect to other organisers, but there are some we feel are sat on their hands, um, mm. focusing too much within their business rather than looking up at the opportunities that are on the horizon. And we want to capitalise that. So we're going to be going to some of the other countries in the in in the Middle East, um, starting from 2021, um, 2022, and we're we're even looking as far as ahead as 23. Um, so we've got a lot in the pipeline, it's exciting times. That sounds really interesting. And I, I have to agree with you that I think, like you say, at the moment, there are kind of like two crowds in the industry. There are those maybe before the 1st of October, especially here in the UK, that were just waiting for that point of physical to come back and, and get right back to it straight away and and, and carry on as, as as normal if nothing, nothing happened. And there are those in another side of the, the field that are totally utilizing this time to look at other opportunities and where they can innovate or, or capitalize or pre-plan and forward plan, you know, to making making the best, I guess, of a time when we are somewhat restricted to do what we would be doing normally, right? So it's good to hear, I'm, it sounds really exciting and I'm sure we'll kind of publish that news as on Event Industry News as it, as it comes out. So then Ashley, I guess to talk about what we are here to talk about today, mental health. I want to give you a start and propose my first question around this to that. So in 2019, Stress Matters did an industry insight report and 28% of those respondents, um, and this was back in 2019, had taken time off due to mental health issues while employed within the events industry. Now we know that the events industry is always one of those top five, three workplace jobs that are always classed as the most stressful. We see it in the kind of the reports, although I've never seen much to back that up. I think we can all agree that that's probably the case. Why do you think that is? Why do you think 28% of people, nearly 30% of 
the events industry workforce have taken time off due to stress? Is it that we don't manage it really well as employees? Have we got not the right support structure? Or is just the the jobs and the roles that way that it, it causes people to, to have to take a break? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a multitude of reasons. I mean, firstly, as anyone in the events industry knows, it, it can be very stressful. And there'll be pinch points where you tend to hit that stress. You know, you ask anyone outside the events industry or they ask you, what do you do? They think, you know, what do you do after the event is the question. You know, they think mm. you just, you come back. There is so much between when the events take place, as we all well know. But um, there's obviously a bottleneck of, of when stress will traditionally occur. Um, there's definitely stuff employers and employees can do to to mitigate that buildup of, of, of stress. Um, I think the most important thing is, is to be talking to, to one another, um, both employees to each other. And I'm not, you know, I'm not asking to create uh, problems for rumor mills, but employees talking to their line managers, um, talking to those that run the businesses or business units and, and employers um, talking to people. I mean, it's a really important message. I think it's put out there. It's all right not to be all right. Um, we're all human. Um, and I think we forget that, you know, events professionals are pretty incredible people, what they do, delivering fantastic events, but we're human. Um, and we can all suffer from stress related to do with the job itself or stress brought from, from outside uh, external factors as well. Yeah, I think the way that I tend to think about it is the events industry or working on events is a little bit like training for a marathon. Leading up to it, you you have this intense training regime that's regular and needs to be put in place. So that's the effort and work that we put into planning the event. Then you have the event itself and it's literally all guns blazing. You need to go full out because you can't stop for a second. And generally most people have followed through on, on the event through pure adrenaline and, and kind of you know in the moment and, and getting things done. But what's different about training for a marathon or competing in a marathon in the events industry is generally on two factors with a marathon. You, you're allowed to talk about how beat up you are. You're allowed to talk about the niggles and the pains and the training issues and stuff. And there's a support network of people that can kind of help you through that. Or even just information and, and networks of people going, right, do this or try this or tweak, tweak this. And then after the event um, or after the marathon, you get a period of rest and time to reflect and, and kind of cool down and, and take it easy and, and not have to train for a marathon. Yeah, in the events industry, we're very much generally on to the next event. So you go back into that cycle of, of intense project management and planning to the next event and training. And, and, you know, some businesses have events back to back. They have people working on three or four, if not more, a year. So there's never a little break in between other than maybe what people might take off of annual holiday. Um, but I know what it's like, even in the events industry, people take holiday and they're still replying and, and involved in the business. So I think somewhat one of the major issues I see is just that workplace balance of pressure and understanding that pressure, but giving people time to recover from actually what they've been leading up to and delivering in, in terms of events. Um, I guess then my next question to you, Ashley, is do you think COVID-19 has impacted or put more pressure on industry professionals when it comes to, to, to workplace stress? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, you think out of all the industries that have been affected, events are very high up there. We were one of the first lockdown. We will be one of the last to lock down. I mean, you look, you know, we were very far at the back of that queue, unfortunately. It's, we're living in a world of uncertainty. We do know at the end of it, 
it's a case of when events will come back. The problem is we have no idea or visibility as to when that will be. And that's hard for employers to keep employees in employment. But employees, you know, they're picking up the, the papers, they're going online, reading the news. It, it's pretty grim reading out there, um, no matter what sector you're in. But our sector, until recent, hasn't really been featured. It's certainly now starting to get featured, which is positive because we all know what we're facing. But when it's not, we're not being heard, that creates frustration, but it, 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 it isolates us. And I think us being featured more in the mainstream media is positive. Yeah. Um, we, we, I think, you know, anyone that is a sensible event professional, we know we can be, uh, our events can be safer than shopping malls, which is safer than public transport, but we also got to realise we do pose a threat in terms of our events. We can deliver it safely, our contained event, but people get there, are they coming on tubes, are they getting on planes? We, you know, we've got to be grown up about this, um, but it's tough. So it, stress has undoubtedly significantly increased. And a lot of unfortunate people have, have lost their jobs, significant, and unfortunately will continue to. Um, and I, I feel deeply very sorry for those. So something that's quite apparent to me, Ashley, and, and I don't know whether you agree with this, is that there's now to me feels like a point where people losing their jobs is is one really sad and unfortunate factor of where we are in terms of events but talking around about mental health and stress and stuff like that this seems to be something that might escalate to something much more worse in terms of people um turning to maybe alcohol or other substances you know I hate to say it on a podcast but ultimately maybe even taking their own lives and things like that and if they have unfortunately been made redundant or lost their job then all of a sudden they've also lost that corporate and support network of the business being able to behind them or you know we I think somebody mentioned it the other day to me which was really interesting was almost prison in isolation because now you're away from work and and some of these people through furlough as well have lost their work family because they are you know we spend so much time with people at work don't we they become like our connections our family our brothers and sisters mothers and fathers and things like that so like do you how, how do you see it now? Do you think we're getting to a point that worse will happen than people losing their jobs ultimately when it comes to stress? Yeah, I think you've touched on something that's really compounded the situation, which is the working from home. Mm. Um, it, it's people that are living in isolation. They might not be able to see their parents if they're a bit older or their grandparents, whatever. So they don't have that support bubble, as you referred to, around them, their colleagues, which are often their friends. Um, but, you know, that, that, that has made it worse. Um, it, it is awful and uh, you know silence is is a real risk here is people not being able to talk to others um, you know you see some people having an outburst over social media which is completely un- understandable in certain circumstances it's better to talk about it sometimes it's perhaps not professional to you know to, to display that for the general public but you've got to also understand their psychological and their, their how they're thinking is actually telling people and getting it out there is a good thing. Um, it's those that don't have the ability to talk to others. You know, it might be people that are fortunate to still be in employment, but they've got this lingering worry over their head and they're stuck at home working from home. I think employers have got a massive obligation to, to talk to the people with what I said earlier, is to say it's all right not to be okay and to be able to, to make people feel comfortable talking about it, whether that's with HR, their line manager, um, or, to, or to set up some support within the business. Um, it, it's really important because 
this COVID is quite unique in the sense it's affecting human beings all around the world in all the same way. Mm. So we're all affected in the same way. We should feel a little bit more comfortable than with many other subjects to talk about it. I, I absolutely agree. And I guess that brings us nicely on to um, talking about how Oman um, Expo have been implementing some strategies and some things in their business in, in the way to support your own employees and your own um, business. So I think one of the first things that you've been doing is you've been doing regular one-to-one sessions, right? Do you want to explain a little bit more about like that and the other things that you guys are doing to, to I guess, tackle stress and, and mental well-being in, in Oman Expo? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've always, I, I, I've always done it with my direct reports and it's something I encourage all people managers in the business to do. What we've, you know, pre-COVID, it's, it, it's very scripted in the sense that you've got a, an agenda to address um, and talk about people's personal development as, as amongst the day-to-day business. We're intentionally engineering or facilitating time within these meetings and actually almost in a sense putting the day-to-day business to one side. I'm focusing on them. Um, you know, it's an opportunity to open it up. So, uh, you know, a one-to-one environment is providing them the opportunity and to let them know that you're welcome if they wish to talk about anything other than work-related or work-related, you open up as possible. So they know your door is open at all times. So I do that with all my direct reports and all other people managers do that within the business. We also encourage teams to get together some marketing, commercial, finance, etc them to get together as a collective, um, not just all to talk about their business, but to talk about how their business and the market is affecting them. Um, and actually what we can do about it, because rather than focus about something we can't control, it's important to look at what we can influence and change and to focus on that. Um, and, and that's what we're trying to do in terms of the one-to-one basis. That's really interesting. And and what else are you doing? Because I noticed um, we, we recently published an article um, with you on Adventist for News and you talked about other things like town halls and, um, you know, those kind of organize, those kind of things. So is is that also a way that you mentioned about bringing people together and talking about things collectively? Is that what the town hall there is for? Yeah, I mean, town halls, We I, I like to believe the employees enjoy it. Um, but it's it, it, it's a very, very important forum right now because people can ask me direct, you know, the individual that's running the business, difficult questions. And sometimes individuals don't want to ask me that on a one-on-one basis. They feel um, more empowered as a collective. Um, they might also pose a question for a colleague that, you know, that feels more comfortable in, 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 in voicing a question or a concern um in, in an open environment and it's not a case of them versus me because we're all in this together we're, we're all experiencing it together but also it's an opportunity for me to tackle um pain points within our business or talk about difficult subjects um it, you know it's about business but sometimes it's in a more relaxed informal environment I, you know i'm not sat up there on a stage with a microphone in my hand we're, we're all sat around it's fairly casual in an open plan office um and it just makes it, it makes everyone feel immediately a little bit more comfortable. And they've got the option to either ask questions on the day or to post questions in advance through anonymous suggestions or question box. Um, and I, I, we get questions both in real time, live during the time, town hall and in advance. And, you know, I don't know who they're from. And I'll answer all of them. And some of them are, are really difficult and I'll answer them as honestly as I can. I don't fob any of them off. So if I don't have the information, I will let them know I come back to them 
and I will come back to them. I always answer them. The other thing that we do to put a bit of light release so it's not too depressing is we look at where we've had wins within the business, celebrating success. We talk about what we are looking to achieve. So looking at the future, you know, there is something to look forward to and there is a lot to look forward to. Um, and, and a small initiative we do, but I think it goes a long way to um, raising morale, is Employee of the Month. Um, it's voted by the employees, nothing to do with me. They choose who, who wins. Um, and, you know, they, they get a, a small prize. It's a gift voucher. And they go up on a, a wall of fame in reception. But, you know, that's a token of appreciation from all the other employees, not from me. Um, and people really like that. And I, I, love, I love the idea. I think it's great that people get behind it and vote for their colleagues. And there's that, that bit of ambition and competitiveness. I encourage it. And I, I, I think it's a great forum. Let me ask you a really important question then, Ashley. How many months have you been consecutively employee of the month then? I'm not allowed to be, <laughs> to be voted for, unfortunately. That's a good answer. I know I really like those. And, and you know, it's, it's small initiatives like that, isn't it? That for, for some people, yes, okay, they may feel a little cheesy or whatever. But consistently, to be recognising that way by your colleagues, I think that that really helps boost morale and, and keeps things good and positive and stuff. Had there been what's the feedback feedback been like from the rest of the employees on these initiatives that you've you've implemented? What have they been saying to you that's really helped them? Um, I, I think it's about it's talking a, a bit about um, strategy. What we're doing to get out of this? What are we doing to mitigate the risks um, from a financial perspective? And, and I'm quite frank. I'm, you know. I won't share the granular detail from a financial perspective because it would be inappropriate. But, you know, I think every employee, they're fully aware of the financial constraints on the business. Um, but importantly, what are we doing to mitigate those risks? And beyond that, what is the business going to look like in one, two, three, four, five years? And giving them visibility to that and a strategy that we share as a collective, as a, a business, me as an employee, as much as any other employee, it's really important because it gives us something to work to for work towards but importantly something to look forward to and to know that we're going to get out of this it's not forever um and and you know we've got a lot of reasons to be excited about what's to come i think that's a really important point that you make there is that by sharing that information with them and showing them what the plan is from a business perspective makes them feel involved and included and part of that strategy right so they they play a role in actually executing that rather than maybe just being along for the ride and not knowing in, you know what role they play within that um, and giving people purpose really does help with you know stress and, and mental welfare I've seen that myself as long as we know what direction we're on in terms of our ship there's something to work towards and that's really helpful when it comes to managing that my final question to you, Ashley, and, and this is hopefully something that you can share with the listeners and viewers of this podcast today is, what are some key tips that you would offer those businesses that don't maybe have some of the initiatives that you have in place already and are looking to implement those? Because I think when it comes to stress and mental well-being of a workforce, implementing these things can seem a little bit overbearing or, or too big of a task, especially at the moment when obviously businesses are focused on surviving and keeping people employed and things like that. So have you got any tidbits or tips that you would share with, with listeners in, in strategies or ways that they can implement things like this? 
Yeah, I mean, something you, you just touched on that you said that resonates really well with me is, is giving everyone purpose. Now, you know, to use, I, I hope any operations people won't mind me using this as an example, operations people might feel that they're sat idle at the moment, but they're very talented individuals that are by discipline multitaskers. Um, they, they can put their tasks and their, and their craft to many other things. So to involve everyone, so they're adding value to the business on a day-to-day -day basis. And I, I say this to a lot of my team, is on a day and a week basis, think about what you've done to contribute to this business. And all of them have something that they've done to positively impact our business. So having that sense of purpose is really, really important for all of us, um, is one. I think the, the biggest thing is, is to allow the employees to have a voice it, you know, so whether it's a town hall with people, you know, it's us, it's smaller businesses, it's easy to do that. If you've got much bigger businesses with, with different locations, whether it's done online or whatever mechanism it is, is to have some outlet for employees to ask questions, to share their concerns in, in an appropriate um, channel or through appropriate channels. I think it's really, really important and being honest with them. Um, we know this is not easy. We know that no one's got a magic pot of gold that we, you know, we can still be going like this for three years with no events. Of course we can't. Um, so it's, you know, explaining how we diversify our businesses, but diversify not just for the short term, for the long term, and how are we going to come out as more agile and resilient businesses, looking at the positives and lessons we, we're learning from COVID, um, and appreciating any small win no, you know, not just from a commercial point, any success, recognizing that within the business. So, you know, doing employee amounts, praising the commercial team for, for closing a contract, no matter how small it is, the marketing team for getting a new media partner, whatever it may be, is recognizing success. I think that's such a good point is that, you know, like you say, recognizing success across the board in the team, no matter what discipline, no matter how big or small, that recognition really helps. To, to boost morale, right? And, and I guess share with everybody how the business is moving forward and being successful. Um, Ashley, thank you very much for coming on today's podcast. For those listeners and viewers that want to connect up with you or maybe reach out to you or, or check out Oman Expo, where's the best place for them to check in with you personally and, and check out the business? Yeah, for, for me personally, um, through LinkedIn, um, search me Ashley Roberts. It's not Ashley Roberts from the Pussycat Dolls. You'd be quite disappointed when you see me. Um, or through the Amarna Expo website, which is www.amarnaexpo.com. Brilliant, Ashley. And I would definitely like to invite you back on another episode. I think it'd be interesting to talk to you in another 6, 12 months and see how some of those plans you mentioned earlier have come to fruition and how you guys have innovated. Thank you once again for coming on today's podcast. And we'll catch you in the next one. Thanks, Adam.